Chapter 3 What Do You Get When You Meet Godzilla? Remus spent the rest of his Saturday reading. After returning from James and Lily's, he did a quick check on the bees in the house. It had been a long time since he had spent the night elsewhere. He picked up Noodle and made a quick phone call to Minnie. He invited her for Sunday tea, showered, and finally changed into new jeans before establishing himself in the library window seat for the rest of the day. He had brought a warm thermos full of black tea, but he hadn't tasted it yet, since Noodle had wrapped herself around it and promptly fallen asleep. The next day, Remus painted the boxes he had constructed just before James and Sirius's visit. He chose a very pale blue-gray color, one that reminded him of a certain someone's eyes. The bees that he caught with the certain someone were still in their cardboard box and had been building onto the frames nicely. Remus had left the flap open for the last few days to allow time for any stragglers to smell their way back to the queen, but was now ready to close it. Tomorrow morning, when these new wooden boxes were dry, he would relocate the bees one last time to more permanent wooden box. He was tidying up the front porch when he spotted Minnie walking down the drive, both hands carrying a large wicker basket covered with a blue checkered tea towel. Minnie, Remus called. Good morning. Oh, isn't it, dear? Minerva answered as she walked closer. I hope your bees are enjoying all of this sun. They are, Remus assured, smiling. They settled into their places on the porch, and Remus retrieved the tea from the kitchen. If he was hosting anyone else, he would think to prepare biscuits or some cookies to go with the tea, but knowing Minerva, he would only be interfering with the full spread that she would bring, and didn't want to even think about competing with her perfectly made scones. Remus found himself gushing about the fun group of friends he had found himself suddenly a part of. He relayed snippets of conversations he thought Minnie would like, and she thoroughly enjoyed hearing about the Scrabble antics. I'm glad you had a good Friday night, my boy, Minerva said before studying her tea suddenly. I couldn't help but notice your truck was gone in the evening and returned late Saturday morning, and you did sound a bit tired on the phone. She smiled coyly, and Remus blushed at the thought of what she might be trying to imply. Oh, it was just a casual night among friends. Well, I'm glad you were able to stay the night safely. I wouldn't want anyone driving on these windy roads in the dark, Minerva said, raising her tea for a sip. Remus's eyebrows rose. If he wasn't sure about her implying anything earlier, he was very sure of it now. "'Twas nice of James and Lily to offer me a guest room. Ah, uh, it was at their house. They're together. They're the expectant parents. And, um, their friend Sirius, who will be the godfather." Remus tried to answer calmly, but only succeeded in gesturing his arms unnecessarily as he rambled. And is their friend Sirius single? Minerva asked innocently. Remus blinked. I swear, these scones get better every time. What is your secret? Remus asked. In the afternoon, Remus sat again at the front porch, this time with his guitar in hand. He had been trying to learn Natalia Laforcade's song, Hasta la Rias, and had the strumming down pretty well, but was slowed down by the fact that he could barely speak Spanish, let alone sing it. His voice tripped over a lot of the words, and the resulting music was a bit slower, but still pretty. His phone buzzed in his pocket just as his fingers were starting to get sore. It was a text from Sirius. Hey Remus, I hope you're doing well. I was wondering if I'd be able to ask a beekeeper a few questions for a project I'm doing in my equitable science education class. 
maybe over coffee? If you're able to give me a phone call sometime, I can explain more about it. Remus smiled and immediately called him. If he were being honest with himself, he had been thinking about Sirius quite a lot since leaving James and Lily's house yesterday morning, even without Minerva's hinting. Hi, Remus. Sirius's whispered voice immediately answered the call. Um, is this a bad time to call? Remus asked hesitantly. No, no, it's perfect, Sirius answered, still whispering. Remus thought he could hear the rustling sounds associated with hastily packing up. I'm in the library right now, but just hold on one second. There's a balcony right here that I can talk on the phone. A few seconds later, Sirius's voice rang through the phone at a normal volume. Okay, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How's the rest of your weekend been going? Pretty well. I've been at the library on campus almost all of today, so I've been getting done a lot of homework for my classes, which is actually why I texted you in the first place. Right. You said I could help with the project you're working on? Yeah. One of my classes is all about teaching science to kids in an equitable way. A lot of current practices in teaching science are kind of flawed because they make some kids think they aren't welcome at the science table or whatever and sort of end up excluding potential scientists. For our final project in this class, we have to write up a unit to teach a science class of our choosing and make sure it's taught equitably. Oh wow, that sounds really cool, Remus said. He loved how passionate Sirius sounded when he talked about his classes, and felt a surge of happiness that Sirius ended up switching his studies from law to education. It is! For my unit, I want to tackle reproduction at the high school level and teach it in a way that's not, like, completely heteronormative and weird. Every biology textbook is like, you get half your DNA from your mom and half from your dad. Which, like, first of all isn't even true, since you could get more from one parent. And second of all, so many kids don't have a mom and dad. Third, these kids could see themselves as a future parent who also wasn't cishet. Oh, but sorry, I'm totally digressing. No, Remus laughed. Keep going. I love it. Your activism is showing. You get the point, though, Sirius laughed. And basically, I want to teach reproduction and the whole chromosome thing while focusing on animals more than humans. And I did some research and it looks like bees have a pretty weird reproduction. Yeah, they do, Remus answered excitedly. Honeybees in particular... Every male bee doesn't have a dad, but it has a grandpa, because males are haploid and females are diploid. Yeah, okay, this is going over my head, but I like that you know a lot about it. Do you think I could, like, conduct an interview with you in preparation for making my lesson plan? I'd buy you coffee for your troubles. Remus could practically hear the smile in Sirius's voice at the end. Yeah, that sounds great, Remus answered. What does your class schedule look like this week? At 11 a.m. on Tuesday morning, Remus met Sirius for coffee and an interview at the University Java House. Remus didn't mind the drive into the college campus, and it was convenient for Sirius, who just finished two back-to-back -back morning classes nearby. Sirius was already seated at a barstool when Remus walked through the door, and his eyes lit up when he was spotted. Remus, Sirius greeted him with a hug. <laughs> Good to see you. Remus said, slightly muffled by the embrace. Here, sit. I already dropped all my stuff over these two seats. What do you want? I'll go order for us. Remus thought that Sirius seemed to have already ingested a bit of caffeine that morning, but smiled and accepted the offer, asking for a hot chai latte. As Sirius ordered, he chatted a bit with the barista. 
Remus couldn't hear the conversation, but felt like he had been caught staring when Sirius turned back towards him. Hey, Rem, do you want the spicy chai or the sweet chai? He asked from across the floor. Remus took a moment to bookmark the fact that Sirius called him by a nickname before choosing the spicy chai. Sirius walked towards the bathrooms after ordering the drinks, so Remus kept an eye on the counter. When a barista called out a tall, spicy chai latte, he walked over to grab it. Oh, the barista spoke up as Remus grabbed the tea. Your boyfriend's pumpkin cold brew is going to be done in just one second. Remus's face turned to surprise, but the barista wasn't looking, instead finishing an elaborate whipped cream swirl. Here it is, she said, passing what Remus hoped was Sirius's drink, since he realized he didn't actually know what the dark-haired man had ordered. You guys are super cute together, by the way. Um, thanks, Remus said as he took the drinks and turned away, blushing beet red. Remus returned to their seats at the counter and opened up one of his notebooks. He had brought along two of his old beekeeping journals, in case they proved useful for his conversation with Sirius. He had also brushed up on his bee biology the night before. Sirius returned and squeezed Remus's shoulder with one hand as he stood next to him. Oh, thanks for grabbing this. Sirius said as he picked up his pumpkin-flavored coffee. He took a sip of it, still standing with a hand on Remus's shoulder. Remus wondered if the barista was watching, but he also noticed that Sirius was taller than him in this position and tried to mentally focus on the bee breeding rather than its human counterpart. Okay, let's get down to business, shall we? Sirius said as he opened his laptop. Remus nodded as he took another sip of his chai. I'm starting with the personal questions so I can report the fact that I actually interviewed a primary source for the unit. Your name? He asked with a flourish of his hand. Remus Lupin, Remus answered with a small smile. Occupation? Full-time beekeeper? Field trip leader? Remus answered as Sirius clicked away on the keys. Oh, and part-time foot fetish sex therapist? Sirius started to type this answer before looking up and laughing. Oh, so he's funny, too. Age, 24. How long have you been beekeeping? Hmm, I suppose most of my life. Maybe 18 years or so? Impressive. How about your zodiac sign? I feel like we're digressing away from the interview here. Just for that, I would peg you as a Virgo. And if I don't believe in astrology, even more a Virgo. What if I actually don't know what my sign is? Wait, really? When's your birthday? May 28th? Oh my god. What? You're a Gemini. Is that bad? No, it's just, I don't know, funny. Geminis are supposed to be kind of snarky. I can see it. Sirius leveled Remus with a look above his laptop screen. So, bee biology? Remus asked. He didn't like being in the spotlight on the best of days, and right now he felt like he was under a very focused magnifying glass. We're almost done with the personal questions, Sirius assured. Favorite movie? <sighs> Fun, but you have to start answering them too then. Do I say something sophisticated and mature, or do I say the movie that I've seen a hundred times and could recite from memory? <laughs> Is it a kid's movie? It's definitely a kid's movie. Which one? Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, Remus answered. Grown up, I think it took me a while to realize I was a little too focused on Prince Caspian to be heterosexual. 
He suddenly blushed, realizing he hadn't exactly discussed his sexuality with Sirius before, even though the other man had. Sirius seemed to take the knowledge in stride. I think I could make a convincing Prince Caspian for Halloween. What do you think? He threw his hair back dramatically. <laughs> okay, your turn, Remus interrupted, his blush unrelenting. Favorite movie? Sirius laughed. Can I say all of the Lord of the Rings movies? But, like, specifically for Legolas only. Remus shook his head with quiet laughter. It took a while, and they were mostly finished with their drinks beforehand, but eventually they discussed bee biology and reproduction. Basically, a male honeybee is just half the DNA from any single female bee. It doesn't even have to be the queen. Any worker can lay unfertilized eggs to become drone bees. To make a female bee, however, the egg needs to be fertilized, meaning it effectively has two parents. That's why a male bee has only one mother and no father. But since the female bee that is its mother must have had a mother and a father, all male bees have a grandfather. Hence, male bees have a grandpa but no dad. Sirius nodded along and took some notes. I think I can teach about this when I talk about the human sex chromosomes. This would totally complement the more traditional lessons about genetics that go into determining a human sex. I'll definitely add a day in there for sex versus gender, a day for what it means to be trans, and all the results can happen aside from male and female, but talking about bees will be really cool. They spent some more time together at the coffee shop, both brainstorming for Sirius's project and coming up with elaborate pranks for James. When Sirius tried to convince Remus to loan him one of the empty cardboard boxes that had the warning of live bees inside so he could plant it outside James's bedroom, Remus put his foot down. They don't know me well enough yet. I don't want to get kicked out of the friend group already, Remus protested. Don't worry, they like you a lot. So do I. You're stuck with us, Sirius smiled. Remus tried to nod without making a fool of himself but found that his throat felt kind of tight after the compliments and assurance of friendship. Anyways, Sirius continued, you're probably right. The stationary empty box isn't good enough. What if we walk into his house wearing bee suits and carrying the empty box, and then I trip and drop it and the lid flies off? I think he would pee his pants. That, Remus tried to say without laughing, is absolutely diabolical. I could never do that. It's a good thing I know where to find one of those boxes and a sexy bee suit then, isn't it? Sirius challenged. Remus finally gave in to his laughter. On Thursday morning, Remus tried to focus on preparing for his upcoming field trip in the afternoon. Instead, his thoughts kept drifting back to Sirius. They had spent hours together in the coffee house two days prior, and Remus was sure they would have spent more time if Sirius didn't eventually have a class to go for. Conversation flowed easily, ranging from bee biology to James and Lily to funny stories about visitors at the farm. When Sirius talked fondly about his first grade students in the class he was observing one day a week, Remus loved the infectious energy in the shorter man. His whole face lit up and his passion and ambition were palpable. Remus loved watching people talk about things they were passionate about. His last date he had gone on, which was just after he had prematurely inherited the farm and had only agreed to because his cousins cornered him after the memorial, hadn't been exciting or interesting, mostly because the other man didn't seem to have anything in his life that he actually cared about. 
Remus was by no means a self-aggrandizer, but he was disappointed that his date didn't seem interested in learning about his day-to-day goings-on with the bees or the visitors or the things that Remus obviously cared about. After talking about the most generic popular music artists and most generic Netflix shows, that date ended early. At 24, Remus knew that his love life was far from over, but he also knew that he had specific qualities he wanted in a partner, simple metrics that somehow excluded a lot of men, having passions and ambitions, and a good sense of humor helps too. Remus was torn between thinking that there could be something more between him and Sirius, and wanting to preserve the new kinship he felt with all three, James, Lily, and Sirius. Their group chat had been active since last weekend and Remus wasn't ready to give that up by making things awkward if Sirius wasn't interested. Or worse, if he was, but then lost interest in Remus right away. Remus didn't even need to be a pessimist to know whose side the man Sirius referred to as his brother would choose in the event of a breakup. He could almost hear his mum's voice telling him in her exasperated but fond tone that he's allowed to enjoy things. For now, though, he would be enjoying the friendship, plain and simple. Shaking his head, he returned to setting up his props for the afternoon visit. When everything was in place on both the front and the back porch, he started tidying and childproofing the living room, hallway, and bathroom. The field trips were designed to take place outdoors, but Remus knew better than to expect six-year-olds to forego the bathroom for two hours. Soon enough, Remus was pacing in the kitchen, expecting the school bus or a phone call to come at any minute. Teachers usually called ahead to let him know if they were on their way or if they were running late, as wrangling 20 children into a bus understandably took longer than one would think. As if on cue, the landline rang. How do you feel about surprises? Sirius's voice immediately sounded after Remus picked up. Wow, that's ominous. Also, you call in right now is a surprise, since I was expecting a teacher confirming a school trip. Nobody tells me anything. Sirius said, and Remus realized he was walking somewhere with a lot of background noise, like a crowded hallway. I just got to the elementary school because today is my observation day, and it turns out my kids left without me. Well, I suppose they have their teacher and probably a few chaperones, but still. Remus laughed, picturing Sirius's faux annoyance, maybe waving his arms around while talking. The lovely office aide told me they just left for a field trip and guess where they're going. Oh my god, Remus said. Really? Yeah. And so they gave me your number so I could call and ask if it's okay if their little old student teacher joins for the day, seeing as he didn't yet sign a waiver. Sirius laughed. I didn't tell them I already have your cell number. Wow, what are the odds? Remus mused thoughtfully. Of course you can come. If you get here later, you can just walk around to the back. Are you driving separately then, if your bus already left? Remus looked out the window, making sure that mentioned bus wasn't already driving down the road. Sure am, but it's awfully convenient too, since this way I'll be able to prove my motorcycle's existence to you. (laughs) Good, I'm excited. Remus smiled. Okay, I'll see you soon then. Drive safe on the gravel roads. He couldn't help but add, feeling like Minnie. I will, Sirius assured. See you soon. The field trip was going great, until Sirius showed up. Remus had told the kids all about being a beekeeper, answered questions correctly, and showed off most of the tools of his trade. 
He even remembered to pass around the empty spray bottle this time. Sometimes he would forget and give children the one filled with actual sugar water, which would only ever end in tears. The teachers and chaperones were all helpful and kind, and they were maintaining control across all 25 students. That is, until a motorcycle pulled up the drive. Half the students jumped up, ignoring the cardboard box Remus was holding, and ran over to Sirius, who was effortlessly tying his hair back after taking off his helmet, somehow looking like he was in a shampoo commercial. Little voices shouted variations of, Sirius, he's here, and Sirius, I didn't know you had a motorcycle. That's so cool. My mom said once that she drove a motorcycle, but it was before I was born. But maybe one day I can get on a motorcycle and then we could race. What do you think, Sirius? Sirius laughed along with them, greeting them all warmly. He expertly pried the little hands from his person and bike, coaxing them into school-appropriate high fives and fist bumps. Remus was impressed, but not surprised, to see how much the students liked their student teacher. Their real teacher, who, after giving a quick greeting to Sirius, was trying to convince the kids to sit back down and listen, was being promptly ignored. Okay, okay, you little rascals. Sirius spoke up, eliciting giggles. Let's all sit down and listen to Mr. Lupin. Sirius promptly sat, cross-legged, in the middle of the porch, while all the other chaperones and the teacher were standing or sitting in chairs in the back. The children quickly copied their student-teacher jostling for position. Close by to Sirius seemed to be the most in-demand location. It's just Remus, but thank you, Remus said finally, smiling at Sirius, and he carried on with the field trip. Eventually, it was time to show the students the bees up close. They would be divided into smaller groups so that only one group was suited up at a time. Usually Remus would communicate this plan and leave it up to the teacher to decide how to split the class. To his surprise, Sirius was the one who took the lead. Two minutes later, the students were grouped into four different corners of the porch, each with an adult chaperone, a team name, an animal mascot, a signature dance move. Remus stood by the teacher, Mr. D, in awe as Sirius taught the fourth and final team their dance move. How does he have this much energy? Remus asked. Mr. D, or Al, as Sirius referred to him when telling stories, shook his head in amusement. No idea, but he's the best student teacher I've ever had. Remus couldn't help but feel a rush of pride for Sirius. As it turned out, in grouping the students, Sirius had kept himself free of any one particular team. Instead, he told Remus he wanted to help with the bees for each group. Soon enough, the two men were suited up, Remus wearing a full suit this time in order to be a good role model of safety for the kids, and leading the first group of little ones to the hives. In their child-sized bee suits, they looked like little marshmallows, Sirius whispered. The first three rotations passed without incident. Remus found that it was easier to have someone already familiar with the bees helping him out, and Sirius was an expert at refocusing the attention of six- and seven-year-olds. During the fourth rotation, before they even got to the first hive, one of the little marshmallows tripped and fell. The child looked fine, but immediately began crying inconsolably. The parent chaperone who had been with the group tried intervening, but nothing was working. Eventually, Sirius led the student a little ways further from the bees. Remus watched as Sirius unzipped the top portion of his bee suit and reached in to grab a band-aid from one of his pockets. He asked the crying child where it hurt, and after a moment's consideration, the kid pointed to their knee. Sirius quickly taped the band-aid there, on top of the small bee suit. 
the child immediately stopped crying. Sirius stood with Remus as the students and chaperones boarded their bus to return to school and go home, when Sirius offered to help Remus clean things up, reminding him that he had his own transportation home anyway, Remus gladly accepted. Later, at 4.30, the men were sitting on the front porch, drinking iced tea and talking. Why did you put the band-aid on top of the kids' clothes? Remus finally got to ask. Sirius laughed. <laughs> Band-aids are magic. I did it because I knew it would work. It took less effort than helping the kid climb out of the bee suit and having to prove to him that his knee wasn't actually injured. Remus nodded. You're really good with the kids. You're gonna be a great teacher. Thank you, Sirius said with a smile. And a great godfather. Sirius nodded once, looking towards the horizon and thought. I hope so. Hey, it's getting late, Remus said. Oh, sorry, do you want me to get out of your hair? I can go whenever. No, no, you're fine. I just thought... Remus hurried to say, Do you want to make dinner here? With me? When Sirius smiled and looked back at Remus, Remus continued, I have a lot of fresh vegetables that I don't want to go bad, so I was thinking of doing a stir-fry, if that sounds okay to you. That sounds perfect, Sirius grinned. The kitchen was large, but it felt like Remus was always bumping into Sirius while they cooked. Part of that was probably caused by Sirius not knowing where anything in the kitchen was, so whenever Remus needed a specific utensil or ingredient, Sirius would unknowingly be in the way. Sirius kept overcorrecting when Remus asked him to scoot a tiny bit over so he could open a drawer, moving his entire setup of cutting board, vegetables, and bowls. Eventually, Remus resulted to moving the man out of the way by lightly grabbing his hips. After the first time, he apologized and hastily withdrew his hands, and Sirius merely laughed. You're fine, Remus, he said. If you're going to stay friends with James and Lily and I, you will get used to a lot of touching and platonic affection. James is big on hugs, if you haven't already noticed. Remus nodded, his fixed smile not reaching his eyes. Nonetheless, it was a good reminder of his own conclusions from this morning. He would become friends with Sirius and not let himself worry about diving into something more. You can't be easily broken up with as a friend, he reminded himself. You can, however, be easily broken up with and subsequently never seen again by a boyfriend or the boyfriend's friends, who you happen to enjoy as friends too, until you make your friendship conditional by dating their friend. As he pulled out a large skillet from a cabinet that was mercifully not blocked by Sirius's body, Remus willed himself to forget about it, at least for the rest of the night. Conversation started to flow easily between them, soon punctuated by sizzling vegetables and the slightly staticky music coming from Sirius's phone. Remus knew he had a Bluetooth speaker around somewhere, but he doubted it was charged. Besides, listening directly from Sirius's phone perched above the stove felt cozy. Sirius had shuffled his entire library, and after each song ended, he would spend a few moments skipping the upcoming tracks until it landed on one he wanted. In the middle of a jumble of opening beats of songs, Remus recognized the soft guitar waltzing intro to one. Wait, don't skip that one, he called out, and then after a moment, You like Kesha? I very much like Kesha. Sirius answered, for her party anthems, yes, but also that girl can write some heartbreakingly good singer-songwriter music as well. Yes, Remus agreed. 
I feel like people don't appreciate those songs enough. This one has been my favorite of hers. For some reason, I feel like it's relatable. The music of Kesha's song Godzilla continued to fill the room. Me too, Sirius answered quietly. After a second of looking intently into the distance, he spoke up again. I may not have dated a 50-foot tall monster, but I think being gay sort of fits that description with the whole what do you get when you take Godzilla to meet your mom line. Remus nodded. Maybe that's it. I started learning this one on the guitar, actually. I like it so much. Sirius grinned. You can play the guitar too? Amazing, show-stopping, incredible. Please tell me you sing as well. But first, his face turned serious for a moment. Can I ask you something? Knowing what was coming, Remus just nodded. Can I ask you about your sexuality? Um, yeah, I'm gay, Remus answered. He had said it hundreds of times in the past, but there's always something about telling someone new that transports him back to being 15 all over again. It's worse when he's managed to form a connection with someone before it comes up, because then he feels like he's been lying to them. But then he feels guilty because he knows he isn't hiding anything, so he shouldn't feel like it's a lie. But then he feels guilty that he naturally passes as straight in the first place and is less likely to be harassed for his sexuality. But then what is passing and why is straight the norm? And it goes on and on and on. Cool, thanks for telling me, Sirius answered, unaware of Remus's internal monologue. Now, back to this whole guitar and potentially singing thing? The night flew by quickly. Remus felt comfortable with Sirius and loved the domesticity of cooking dinner with him. He hadn't cooked a full meal in his kitchen for someone other than himself since before his parents had passed. Eventually, they were saying their goodbyes. Hey, we need to hang out again soon, Sirius stated. Yeah, I would like that, Remus answered. Lily is actually coming over tomorrow to meet Noodle, and if all goes well, we'll get lunch or something after. I'll talk to her about her schedule, but I would love to have all three of you over sometime soon. That would be great, and... Sirius said, drawing out the word. If you're going to help James and Lily each with a fear, it really is only fair that you help me with one too. He ended with a hopeful head tilt, reminiscent of a large, friendly dog. The dark, Remus said, immediately turning on an extra lamp. I'll think about it, he ended, with a smile that he hoped looked more coy than anxious. Okay, Sirius replied. Thanks again for dinner. I had a lot of fun today. But I better get back soon if I'm going to finish my essay that's due tomorrow morning. You're welcome for dinner. And oh god, I'm sorry I kept you from your homework for so long. Sirius smiled fondly as if Remus were a puzzle he didn't quite get just yet, but still enjoyed the satisfaction of fitting a new piece into place. If it happened at a slower pace than with someone else, then it was with more meaning. Good night, Remus, Sirius said, and opened his arms for a hug.